0: Hey there, welcome to The tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. As we've discussed so many times here, the idea of mixing of elements, soils, roots, and seed pods is a fundamental aspect of the botanical style aquarium. If there's one consistent lesson that we keep returning to, it's that land and water are inexorably linked together. And I think that when we contemplate the dynamic of how water and the terrestrial environment interact, it makes us look at aquatic habitats and our aquariums quite a bit differently. The forest floors of South America are like a prime example of how the terrestrial environment and the aquatic habitat are linked and ecologically dependent upon each other. Now what drives this relationship? Well, it starts with rain, rain of course does more than just bring life to the land, it influences the existing watercourses, which in turn influence the terrestrial environments. Torrential rains are sort of a catalyst for the formation of the agapo, the flooded forests of South America. After several weeks of rain, the water levels in the rivers that run through the forests rise significantly, often several meters, and the once dry forest floor fills with water from the torrential rain and overflowing rivers and streams. The agapos are formed, flooded forest floors, the formerly terrestrial environment is now transformed into this earthy, twisted, incredibly rich aquatic habitat, which fishes have evolved for eons to live in and utilize for food protection and spawning areas. So they migrate out of these rivers and work their way into the now flooded forest. All of the botanical material, the shrubs, the grasses, fallen branches, seed pods, roots, soil and stuff is suddenly submerged. Over time, these significant water levels create strong currents, which redistribute the soil, sediments, leaves, seed pods, and such into little pockets and stands, affecting the now underwater topography of the landscape. From an ecological perspective, this transformation from terrestrial to aquatic presents challenges and opportunities for the organisms which live in these habitats. The ecological adaptations that the inhabitants are required to make are fascinating and dynamic. As the rain continues to fall, Branches and stems of trees, once higher up in the forest ecosystem, become an enticing hiding place or foraging area for fishes, which can now easily access them because of the high water level. Leaves begin to accumulate. Soils dissolve their chemical constituents, tannins and humic acids, into the water, enriching it. Fungi and microorganisms begin to feed on and break down these materials aquatic insects and diverse organisms as well-known as copepods and as unusual as tree sponges come to life. Land and water working together. It's an intimate, interrelated, codependent sort of relationship. I believe that it's important to think of the relationship between the terrestrial habitat and the aquatic one when visualizing the possibilities of replicating nature in your aquarium in this context. We've talked a lot about the idea of flooding an aquarium setup designed to replicate an Amazonian forest for a while now. This so-called urban agapo idea is a fascinating, exciting, and now becoming sort of a well-trodden territory with lots of people in our community embracing the idea and doing some amazing experiments with them. pretty fun. It's been incredibly fun for me, sort of attempting to simulate some of the processes which happen seasonally in nature. With the technology, the materials, and the information available to us today the capability of creating a true year-round habitat simulation in the confines of an aquarium or vivarium setup has never been more attainable. Now, that's all well and good. We've kind of figured out how this wet and dry cycle could be managed in these types of systems. We're starting to really get this stuff down, and it's easily replicated by the patient aquarist. We have a lot of blog posts and a lot of podcasts about the processes, and we've even developed a line of substrates just for these types of ecosystems. So let's think about this again. Let's think about simulating the inundation season as the aquarium. In other words, let's assume that you're kind of not into doing the whole start with the dry habitat, plants and grasses and terrestrial plants and gradually inundate it with water and then gradually dry it out all over again thing. And you just want to do the wet phase. That makes sense. So if you're going to the straight to the inundation phase of the habitat in your tank, you can still take the approach of replicating the dry forest floor before adding water to the aquarium. By regularly wetting these materials, the substrate, the leaves, the botanicals, and wood down for a few days before you fill the tank, and letting them saturate, it's entirely possible to go from a terrestrial to aquatic in a very short period of time, and getting the cool effect and indeed part of the function, a burst of microbial life, biofilms, fungal growth, and a release of tannins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right from the start. And at the risk of sounding crassly commercial, I'd, so- I'd recommend some sort of bacterial inoculant, such as our just released spray on uh, purple non-sulfur bacteria inoculant called Nurture to sort of kickstart the biological processes in your system before it's inundated with water. This is interesting. Purple non-sulfur bacteria are very adaptable and they can live in a variety of habitats, including soils, damp soils, and even on plant roots and wood and all kinds of things before they're even submerged. So it's a very interesting uh, organism to work with. Anyway, I think that that this step of bacterial inoculation is such a fundamental part of the botanical style aquarium approach right now. I'm really into it. I see it as much less of a hack to kickstart the nitrogen cycle. Yes, it will help do that and more of a way to provide an initial population of life forms, which help assimilate some of the botanical materials and make the mini organic and other compounds and substances locked in their tissues like tannins, humic substances, et cetera, become available to them and other life forms within the evolving microcosm that you're creating. It's an essential part of the life in your aquarium. This type of terrestrial first approach to starting a flooded forest themed aquarium is very interesting from so many standpoints. And it gives you an interesting way to really experience the processes which occur as terrestrial habitats transform into aquatic ones. And from a strictly practical point of view, Preparing the aquatic habitat in a terrestrial phase before filling it with water is not all that different from the approach that many serious aquatic plant hobbyists take when setting up their systems, right? Something that's been done for years. The main difference, of course, is that unlike our planet tank friends, we're more interested in setting up a whole habitat simulation as opposed to just setting up the stage for aquatic plant growth. And we're likely not adding fertilizers to our substrate of choice. Rather, we're more interested in fostering the development of microbial and other life forms throughout the system once the water's added. I suppose a good analogy might be the approach that our vivarium friends take when they create those bioactive substrates in their frog enclosures and stuff like that. It's an interesting topic. You should read about it sometime. The idea being to cultivate as large a population of beneficial organisms in your aquarium as possible from the start to deal with a significant bioload that's a large quantity of botanical materials and all that kind of stuff that that, that brings. Makes sense. Now, from a purely functional standpoint, you can replicate many aspects of the flooded forest by taking this approach. And of course, you don't have to go batshit crazy trying to replicate every single aspect of these habitats in your tanks. I mean, you could. Really, though. All sorts of fun variations are possible. Remember, it's not about trying to please some contest judge with an absolutely perfect biotopic representation or a ratio-compliant aquascape. Nope. It's about experimentation, studying, observing, and replicating a natural process in the aquarium to the best of our capabilities. Artistic liberties are not only possible, they're welcome. So many iterations, interpretations, and experiments are possible here. So what's all this mean? What are the implications for this practice in our aquariums? I think it means that we need to continue to foster the biological diversity of animals in our aquariums, embracing life at all levels, from bacteria to fungi to crustaceans to worms, and ultimately, our fishes all forming the basis of a closed ecosystem. And perhaps a food web of sorts for our little aquatic macrocosm. I know we've talked about that ad nauseum as recently as yesterday. And one way to help foster all that stuff is perhaps most enjoyably facilitated through this sort of terrestrial first approach. It's a very interesting concept. It's a fascinating field for research, uh, for aquarists, and we all have the opportunity to participate in this on a most intimate level by simply observing what's happening in our own aquariums every day. Fostering a diversity of life forms in our aquariums is interesting enough, but when you factor in seasonal changes and cycles, it becomes almost foundational, a foundational component for a new way of running our botanical-style aquariums. It all starts with an idea, and a little bit of a waiting game, patience, don't fill the tank right off the bat, and a belief in nature, a trust in the natural processes which have guided our planet and its life forms for eons. The appreciation of this process is a victory in and of itself, isn't it? the journey, the process, is every bit as enjoyable as the destination, I should think. It's all out there waiting for us to learn and find out for ourselves. Investigating the relationship between land and water might just lead to a new world of discovery for the hobby. That's pretty damn exciting to me. Stay adventurous. Stay curious. Stay creative. Stay observant. Stay undaunted. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Ten and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the Ten.